Why? Why? Why did Jesus come to earth? Why forsake the majesty and fellowship of heaven? Exchanging a palace for a stable. Immortal comforts for a feeding trough. And robes of glory for the feeble body of an infant. An unparalleled irony, this supreme, unrivaled nobility experiencing absolute and total humility. Our sovereign God, Emmanuel, as a baby. He didn't come to heap shame upon sinners or to judge and cast out the impious, but to break bread with those called unrighteous. He didn't come to illuminate every mystery of the cosmos or to enlighten the intellectual, but to fulfill the testimony of prophets clothed in rags. He didn't come to elevate a single nation or to advocate a particular political affiliation. He came because he saw you broken in need of salvation. He saw you lost and abandoned, crying out, surrounded by deaf ears, fighting through the tears, but beaten down by the torments of this world. And unable to bear your distress, he renounced his eternal throne, walked the earth, bore the stripes, accepted the nails, and gave up his last breath, so that you could receive the breath of life. holy, infinite God, beheld your pain, perceived your heart, and determined that your soul was worth dying for. From the manger, to the cross, to the empty tomb, it is all a story of profound love, of a Savior who rescued his children from darkness of a blameless king who declared that no sacrifice was too great for the sake of his beloved creation. Why did Jesus come to earth? He came for you. Well, church, how many of you are ready for a word? Come on, put your hands together if you're ready for a word. Give me the clap emojis in the comments if you are ready for a word from God. We're going to be in our final sermon in our Advent series, Luke chapter 1. Let me just throw something out there in front of you, not just our Christmas Eve service that's coming up on Thursday, but I just want to throw it out there for you. Next week, you do not want to miss next week. Next week is going to be special and unique and there's something that's going to happen next week that has never happened in the history of New Dimensions Christian Center. So you do not want to miss that. Trust and believe. Okay, Luke chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 46. I'm just going to read one verse, Luke chapter 1, verse 46, and it goes like this. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. The title of today's message is very simple. God has spoken. Type it in the comments if you believe it. God has spoken. God, we come before you right now and we ask that you would move in this moment, that you would meet us here in the same way that you have cracked the sky, in the same way that you have invaded time and space, 
In the same way that you have met us in the advent. In the same way that at the fullness of time you sent your son to die for the sins of the world. I pray, God, that you would meet us in this very moment. That whatever someone needs, if they need peace, if they need healing, if they need mercy, if they need encouragement, may you meet them with everything that they need. And God, we know that there can't be a fire in this place if there's an iceberg behind this pulpit. So God, would you light me on fire that I may burn for you, burn for your truth, burn for your justice. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer in whom I trust. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. You know, if we look at the attributes of God, one of the most important present attributes of God is this descriptor, God speaks. Type that in the comments, God speaks. As a matter of fact, at the top of our Bible, on the first page of our Holy Scriptures, we find these words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness moved upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, and God said, and God said, let there be light. From the beginning of the scriptures, we see that God speaks. At the end of the scriptures, we see that God will speak. In the middle of the scriptures, we see God speaking throughout. We see God speaking to his servant Abraham, telling him to get up and go from the earth of the Chaldees, the place where he was comfortable. We see God speaking to his servant Moses and telling him through the burning bush that I've called you to go and save my people. I've seen the oppression of my people. We see him speaking to the prophet young prophet Samuel telling him, get up, I am going to raise you up as a prophet. We see him speaking to Joshua saying, take off the shoes of your feet, take off the, the sandals that you have on because the place where you stand is holy ground. We see him speaking and we see God speaking again and again. But what about the times when God is silent? What about the times when God doesn't speak? We have been prepared to receive and understand the revelation of God. We have been prepared to hear the words of God. We have been prepared to study the scriptures of God, the places where God prominently speaks. But, but the question that I have for you today is what do we do with the silent parts of God? What do we do when God doesn't speak? I, I want to submit to you that we have got a lot of practice on dealing with the words of God and and hearing the words of God, and perceiving the words of God, and studying the words of God, but we have very little practice when it comes to the silence of God. And I don't know about you, but there are times in my life, saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost as I may be, when I see and hear nothing from God. When I can't hear God speak, is that just me? Am I just the only one? Am I by myself? Can someone raise a hand if you've ever had a situation where you were looking around expecting God to speak and God didn't say anything? Is that just me? Have you ever needed God to speak a word? Have you ever needed God to come down and break a situation open? Have you ever needed a prophecy from God? Have you ever needed an on-time word from God and God didn't speak? Again, church, we are prepared for the words of God, but, but we aren't always prepared for the silence of God. And some of us have been asking God in 2020, what's the new word? What's the word that you will give? What is the word that you will say? 
What is the word that you will accomplish? What is the word that you will prophesy over my life? What is the word for 2021? What is the word that you will give to me that will get me through my situation? And may I submit something to you? Perhaps God doesn't need to give us a new word. Perhaps God needs us to respond to the word God already gave. <laughs> Perhaps a new word isn't what we need. Perhaps a response to the old word is what we need. Perhaps we don't need new revelation from God. Perhaps we need to continue chewing on the revelation that God has already given to us. Perhaps we don't need someone to lay hands on us and prophesy something fresh to us. Perhaps we need to unearth the things that we have buried in the depths of our soul, the things we have buried in the depths of our minds. I'm trying not to lose my cool up here because some of you know what I'm talking about. We have begged God for something new and God is saying, return to the thing that is old. Return to the thing that I already said. Have you ever been there? Has God ever made you go back to a word that you thought had expired? <laughs> Has God ever made you go back to a word that you thought was no longer necessary, that you thought didn't need to be carried over into this season? Perhaps God is saying, I don't need to say anything new. Actually, I need you to go and unearth that which I have already spoken. Maybe the biggest test for us and the biggest preparation point is not preparing for something new for God to say, but preparing to respond to what God has already said. <laughs> Perhaps church, God at the end of 2020 is saying, how will you respond to what I've already said? Before I can give you something new, before I can say something new, before I can prophesy something new, before I can give you a fresh revelation, perhaps you need to go back to the old thing and respond to the old thing I've already said. Are you prepared to respond to God? See, God doesn't just speak, but listen, church, God has spoken. Past tense. God has already declared things. God has already said things. God has already put things out into the earth. And so now the question is, church, how will we respond? The question of Advent is not just how will we wait for the present working of God, but also how will we deal with the past words of God? Not just the present working of God, not just the future activity of God, but the past words of God. And that's why I love Luke chapter 1, because Luke chapter 1 deals with a young woman who responds well to God, who responds well to the words of God, who responds well to the word that came unto her. And Mary didn't ask for a new word. Mary didn't even ask for the first word. But once the word came to her, Mary was prepared to respond. This is fascinating because Mary was 13, 14 years old, a preteen, barely a teenager, betrothed to her husband, Joseph, betrothed to her fiance, getting ready to get married. And then she receives this message from the angel that says, you're with child. You're going to bear the son of God in your womb. This is a child of the Holy Spirit. And Mary, she responds to that. She responds in saying, I'll do whatever you call me to do. Be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me according to whatever you say. Let God know that I say yes. And some of us, sometimes we just need to say yes to God. Some of us, sometimes we just don't need to make it complicated. We don't need to ask follow-up questions. We don't need a dissertation from the Spirit of God about what we should do. We just need to say yes to God. Does anyone feel that? Do you just need to say yes to God? Can you audibly just say yes to God? 
Yes, God, I'll do whatever you called me to do. There's somebody who needed to hear that. And she goes to Elizabeth. And Elizabeth pronounces a blessing upon her. Her cousin Elizabeth, who was also pregnant with John, the apostle John, as we talked about last week. And then Mary, once she receives the blessing from Elizabeth, she breaks out into song. And this song has been called the Magnificant. This song has been called a space where Mary, she, she transformatively announces the kingdom of God. She prophesies out of her lips. She prophesies out of her soul and her spirit. And there's some things about God in this space. There's some things about God that Mary affirms that I want to chew on for a little bit. Can we do that? God has spoken, but when we respond, how do we talk about God? When we respond, how do we describe this God that spoke to us? It's interesting because the first thing we see that Mary talks about is Mary reminds us that God thinks about us. God thinks about us. Look at Luke chapter 1, verses 46 and 47, very quickly. It says, and Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Why? For, verse 48, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he has been, what church? Mindful. I wish y'all were in this room. I wish we were in person because we could really have some fun with this. For he, God has been mindful. God thought about her. Have you ever realized this reality? Have you ever come to this realization? Has it ever hit you upside the head like a ton of bricks? Have you ever woken up late at night and realized that God thinks about you? One of my favorite attributes of the scriptures is the fact that God, in his uh, omniscient character in his character, his omni character is that God is omniscient. God is omniscient. That means God has knowledge and understanding and exhaustive understanding of both the past, the present, and the future. God is omniscient. God can think about all things at the same time. God can process the most complex of things and the most simple of things. God can deal with the mysteries of the earth, and God can understand the innocence of children. God can process even the world's most complex problems that confound philosophers and thinkers and scientists and politicians, yet at the same time, God can understand the simplicity of our cries. God can understand the simplicity of our requests, and I'm glad I serve a God who is all wise. I'm glad I serve a God who is all knowing. See, because there are sometimes I can't perceive what's going to happen, but I know that I serve a God who already knows everything that's going to happen before it happens. I serve a God who already knows every single thing that I need to walk in before I even arrive on the scene. I'm glad I serve an omniscient God, but here's the thing that I'm perplexed by, church. I'm perplexed by this reality. God has time and space to think about us. God has time and, and space to think about us. God has capacity to think about us. Of all the things God could be thinking about instead of us, I don't know why God spends even a second on us. Excuse me. I don't know why God spends even a second on me. I know how unimpressive I am. I know all the things that I don't do and can't do. I know all the things that I failed in. But yet God still thinks about me. Of all the things God could think about, God still thinks 
about us. Have you ever wondered about all the things God could think about except you, other than you? God could think about the galaxies. God could think about the planets that he created. God could think about the stars that he set in the sky. God could think about the vastness of the ocean. God could think about exploding volcanoes. God could think about towering mountains. God could think about the majesty of the skies. God could think about the strength of trees. God could think about the lush, lush vegetation of plants. God could think about the beautiful creatures and animals who walk along the earth. God could think about all the awe-inspiring animals that we see, the great and mighty animals that were created by God. God could think about all the tiny organisms that we can't see, all the complexity of the things that are happening in the ecosystem God could think about all those things except for us, but take it out of creation. Take it out of the good things. God could think about all the problems of the world. God could think about global poverty. God could think about wealth inequality. God could think about global warming. God could think about mass incarceration and the devaluing of life. God could think about food deserts. God could think about racism and injustice. God could think about war and crime. God could think about abuse and trafficking. God could think about diseases. God could think about pandemics and endemics and eugenics. Yet, in spite of all of this, God is observing all those things, thinking about all those things, and it says God is thinking about me. God is thinking about you and I don't know it does something to my soul and my spirit to know that God takes time to think about me. God takes time to think about his creation. God takes time to think about us and I don't know why God does it. I don't know why God has used some bandwidth to think about his creation. It, it, maybe it's nothing to you but I, I think of what the psalmist says in Psalms 144. What are human beings? What is man? What is woman? that you take knowledge of us, that you're mindful of us, or the son of man that you think of him. What is it about us that makes you think about us? And Mary, she says that he's mindful of me. Sometimes we need to remember this fact, church. The mind of God is big enough to care about the whole world, yet small enough to care about you. <laughs> I don't have a witness in here, so I'm just going to assume that that resonated with you. The mind of God is big enough to care about the whole world, yet small enough to care about you. Are you wondering whether or not God thinks about you? Are you wondering whether or not God ponders you? Are you wondering whether or not God considers you? You need to hear this. God is thinking about you. How precious are your thoughts toward me? Psalm 139 says, if I could number them, they would outnumber the sand. God thinks about us. God is mindful of us. Can we pause there right now? Somebody needs to hear this and somebody needs to receive this reality. God is thinking about you. God woke up this morning. When you woke up this morning, God already had thought more thoughts about you than you'll think for the rest of the day. When you go to bed at night, God has already thought more thoughts about you than all the things that you are worried about in your day. If everybody else neglects and ignores you, God still thinks about you. If everybody else looks the other way when you walk in, God is staring at you, smiling at you, delighting in you. He says, this is my beloved son or my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. God thinks about us. Is anybody thankful that God thinks about us, that he has meditation to be mindful of us, that God considers us? First thing Mary reminds us is that God 
thinks about us. But she goes on. She goes on in Luke chapter 1. Look at verse 50. It says here, <laughs> his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. The mercy of God. God thinks about us, but secondarily, God is merciful to us. God thinks about us, but God is merciful to us. This is so interesting, the word for mercy in this text. Typically, we have identified mercy as not getting what we deserve. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve, right? And here in this text, there's a different word, a different translation of the word mercy. It's the word elias. And the word elias means God's covenantal love. It means God's all-consuming love, God's steadfast love. It's, it's similar to the Hebrew word hesed in the Old Testament. The Hebrew word hesed, it's an Old Testament word meaning God's loving kindness, God's faithfulness. God has the kind of covenant love, the covenant mercy that'll never run out. God has a kind of covenant mercy that will never expire. God has the kind of covenant mercy that won't, that won't extend to a certain point. God has the kind of covenant mercy that will extend as much and beyond the point that we need it. God is merciful to us. And, and I don't know about you, but, but I need the mercy of God. I don't know about you, but I need the mercy of God every single day. When I wake up, I need the mercy of God. Now, some of you might not understand and comprehend this. Some of you, this might not move you. I don't know about you, but God's mercy moves me. God's mercy moves me. I, I, I remember what the psalmist said in Psalm chapter 40. Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. I need the mercy of God. I remember Psalms 145 where the psalmist says the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. How many of you know there are sometimes God could have been angry with us? There are sometimes God could have been upset with us. There are sometimes God could have looked sideways at us and allowed things to happen to us. But he's slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. How many of you need the mercy of God? How many of you need the covenant? steadfast love of God. How many of you need the faithful, abiding mercy of God? It reminds me of what the prophet said in Micah 7, 18. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, get this, but delight to show mercy. I need the mercy of God. Is there anybody in this place? Is there anybody who's watching me online who can say, I need the mercy of God? Maybe, maybe mercy doesn't move you. Maybe you can't testify to that. Maybe that's not your thing. Maybe you've forgotten how much God extended mercy to you. Maybe you've forgotten. See, some of us, we need to thank God that we've remained tangential, adjacent enough to where we came from, to remember where God brought us from. <laughs> Some of us need to thank God that we remain tangential and adjacent enough to our past life, to who we used to be, to remember the fact that God can still save us, that God saved us from 
a place, a dark place. Some of us remember where we were when God found us. Some of us remember the mercy of God. And some of us are saying, I know I remember the mercy of God and it was transformative and it saved me and it kept me. But, but I need some more of that mercy today. Is that you that said, I need a little bit more. I'm not there yet. I haven't fully been sanctified yet. I haven't fully been redeemed and healed yet. And there are some things that if you catch me on the right day, I still might find myself doing and saying and thinking, but I thank God, Lamentations 2.22 says that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. How many of you are honest enough to say that I need the new mercy of God this morning? I need the new mercy of God on tomorrow. I already know I need some mercy heading into the Christmas holiday. And Mary says God is merciful to us. God is merciful to us, church. A couple of weeks ago, like many of you, I was watching. I was watching the exhibition between Mike Tyson and Pensacola's own Roy Jones Jr. A50, Pensacola in the house, hometown hero, your boy, the baddest man throughout all of the 90s in boxing, Roy Jones Jr. And you know, the thing I love about Roy is Roy's a fearless dude, sometimes a little bit foolishly fearless, but Roy is still a fearless dude. And Roy, I love the fact that he came out to his old song. He came out to that old song that he used to, to do back when he was boxing, back when he was playing basketball, and at the same time was a recording artist and boxing and doing all these great things. What, what did he say? Y'all know what I'm talking about. He said, y'all must have forgot. He said, he said y'all must have forgot. He had to come out with that because there were people who were questioning his capability. There were people who were questioning how great he was. There were people who were questioning how capable he was. There were people who were questioning his goodness. There were people who were questioning how powerful he was in the ring. And, and he had to say, y'all must have forgot. Y'all must have forgot what I was capable of. You have a short memory. You have a short memory because you, you must have forgot that I, you must have forgot what I was, what I could do. You must have forgot. And it's funny because he came out to that and it reminded me of, of so many of us that when we look around at, at our lives and our lives move so quickly and, and life moves on so fast that we might have a short memory. I think God might be looking at some of us, those of us who are unemotional and unmoved in worship. Those of us who, who can't bear to shout and raise our voice. Those of us who are too dignified to lift our hands. And, and I think God is looking at us saying, oh, oh you must have forgot. You must have forgot where I, where I found you. You must have forgot that, that on a good day, how many bottles you went through. You must have forgot how many people that you've been with that you shouldn't have been with. See, you must have forgot how many packs that you used to smoke. You must have forgot all the things you used to gamble on. You must have forgot how stingy you were with your money. You must have forgot how toxic all your relationships were and it wasn't them, it was you. You must have forgot all the things that I could have exposed you for but I didn't. You must have thought about, you must have forgot about all the things that people saw you doing but now magically they don't bring it up to you. You must have forgot about all the ways I kept you. You must have forgot about all the times you came crying to me. You must have forgot about all the ways I showed you mercy. You must have forgot about all the things I've done for you. And God is looking at you saying, did you forget church? Did you forget how miraculous mercy is? Perhaps that's why they used to sing that old praise song. Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. 
Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me out. Jesus, I'll never forget. No, never. See, sometimes we need to remind ourselves of the miraculousness of the mercy of God because without the mercy of God, none of us would be here. Without the mercy of God, none of us would be breathing. Without the mercy of God, none of us would be saved. God has, I love how the writer puts it, there is more mercy in God than sin in us. <laughs> There is more mercy in God than sin in us. Somebody needs to take a lap around your, your living room right now. I feel a shout coming on. Somebody needs to crip walk around your couch. Somebody needs to dance in your dining room. Somebody needs to make it real right now. Because, see, some of us, let, let me just say this. I'm, this might be outside of my purview. I might not be qualified to say this. Listen, I, I love all the contributions that millennials and Gen Z are making to the faith. Absolutely love it. I'm a millennial. And I love the way we are reinterpreting and reimagining the presentation of the faith, holding on to the truths that we find that are immutable, but also taking those truths and reinterpreting them in a way for a watching world. I love all that. But see, one of the things, if I can be transparent, that I hope millennials don't forget, that I hope Gen Z doesn't forget, that I hope the young people do not forget. One of the things that I genuinely hope is that we don't forget the wonder and the joy of our salvation. One of the things that I really hope that we don't forget as young people as we're trying to reinterpret and reimagine what the faith will look like in 2020 and beyond, I hope we don't forget the wonder of our salvation, the joy of the fact that God saved us. May we never forget the fact that God didn't have to save us, but God did still save us. May we never forget that fact. You see, I think sometimes we've intellectualized and rationalized and platonized and we've considered all of these things. We've made worship into an intellectual endeavor rather than a transformative experience. We've made worship into this idea that, that we just have to be unmoved. We just have to rationalize it with our minds and rationalize it with our intellectual faculties. But I just got to admit, no shade. That's just not how I grew up. See, I grew up being taught that if God did something for you, you act like God did something for you. See, I grew up being taught that there's a time to shout. I grew up being taught that there's a time to dance. There's a time to move your physical body in praise to God, that there's a time for you you to do what's necessary to show God that you're thankful, that there's a time to remember all the things that God has done for you. I hope that as young people, we don't forget that sometimes we need to shout. Sometimes we need to take off and run. I know I'm off camera, but it's okay. Sometimes we need to walk around and lift up our voice and thank God for all the things that God has done for us. Sometimes it's okay to jump up and down. Sometimes it's okay to run and it's okay to dance. Sometimes it's okay to remember what God has done for you. And I know I'm not here, but my goodness, if I could, I'll take a lap. Listen, I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm walking around the sanctuary. You ought to give God praise right now for all that God has done for you. Listen, we can't get so caught up in the fact that we have technology and we have a program that we neglect the opportunity to worship God and give God praise. Come on, stand up to your feet wherever you are. Put your hands together and thank God that God still has some mercy. Thank God that God hasn't left you on your own. Thank God that God hasn't left you by yourself. Thank God that God saved you. Oh, come on, keep it going, church. Keep it going. We need to stay here. The mercy of God. Somebody needs the mercy of God. There's more mercy in Christ than sin in us. Charles Spurgeon, he puts it like this. Remain standing. God's mercy is so great that you may sooner drain the sea of its water or deprive the sun of its light or make space too narrow 
than diminish the great mercy of God. Do you realize that you can't get to the end of God's mercy? You can't outsend God's mercy. You can't outrun God's mercy. You can't out iniquity God's mercy. But God is merciful to you. Lift up your hands right now. I ain't got nothing else to say. <laughs> I ain't got nothing else to say. The mercy of God is new every morning. The mercy of God never runs. The mercy of God is mag. The mercy of God is miraculous. The mercy of God. Lift up your hands right now. Somebody needs to thank God for the mercy. Somebody needs to thank God for all that God has done. Everything. The seen things and the unseen things. Old folks used to say, you don't know like I know what the Lord has done for me. You don't know. You can't comprehend it. You don't know like I know. I know. I experienced it. I know the things that never got revealed about me. You know the things that never got revealed about you. You know the ways God has covered you when God didn't have any business covering you. Somebody ought to lift up a shout to God right now. Lift up a shout to God. Come on. Lift it up. Thank God for how good God is. Come on, right now, right now. Let it flow from your lips. Let it flow out of your inner person. Let it flow out of your spirit. Let it flow out of your mind. Let it flow out of your heart. God has been good to us. The mercy of God is miraculous. And hear me, the mercy of God extends to the fact that when Jesus came into this earth, into this world, he had one mission. And his mission was to save us from our sins. May we never forget the mission of Jesus and how miraculous Jesus' mission is as he redeems all things back to himself, as he reconciles all things back to the Father. Things that are unright, things that are upside down, God's going to put them right. Things that are out of order, God's going to put them in order. Things that are unjust, God's going to make them just. He's going to bring justice. So, Father, right now we come before you thanking you for the reality that we ourselves have been in need of mercy, yet you've given it so freely and liberally. We ourselves have been in need of your grace, in need of your long-suffering covenantal love, your Elias and your Hesed. And, Father, we thank you that you have been so good to us, that you have been merciful to us. The mercy of God is miraculous. The mercy of God. The mercy of God, my mama, the mercy of God has never run out. May we not get so dignified and sophisticated that we forget what you did for us. May we not get to the place where we have to button our top button so much that we forget about all the things that we've been through. And yet, you still think about us. Yet, you're still merciful to us and you're not done speaking. May we respond with remembrance. May we respond reminding ourselves of your character and your goodness on this day, in this Advent season, in this Christmas season. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. 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 Go and walk in the mercy of God. It's new every morning, church. I love you so much. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Well, hey, church, I hope that you enjoyed that time. I hope you were okay with me, you know, getting a little undignified. You know what? Even if you weren't okay, 
I know God was okay, so I'm good. I hope you joined in with me. Amen. I hope you did. Listen, we want to wish you and your family a Merry Christmas. Once again, if it's your first time joining us, we want you to put first time in the comments. If you need prayer for salvation or prayer for deliverance or prayer through a specific situation, why don't you put home in the comments? A member of our social media team will reach out to you, check on you, see how you're doing. And this is just kind of our way of being hands extended to you. If you have needs of any kind, put home in the comments. We want to help you meet those needs. This is why the church is in existence, to meet the needs of those who have them. And once again, if you have not trusted in Jesus, the great reality of any of this, of all of this, the Advent, the Christmas season, is that Jesus is worthy to be praised. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And so I hope that you will make that decision today. You can also put home in the comments as well and we will reach out to you to walk with you through that decision. If you missed the opportunity to give, you can do so by clicking the links, the giving link in the comments. You can also go to Tively if you have the Tively app, type in New Dimensions Christian Center. You can go to our website, ndccpensacola.org and click offerings. And hey, if you wanna mail it in the old fashioned way, that's cool too. PO Box 6400, Pensacola, Florida, 32503. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Join us on Thursday at 6 p.m. for our Christmas Eve service right here at NDCC Pensacola on Facebook and on YouTube. It's gonna be a blessed time. We're really excited about it. And we're excited about spending just 30 minutes or less with you and your family, gathering around the television and having a special communion time as well. Get your communion elements, whatever bread and juice that you can get. We'll have some instructions on our Facebook page for that. But we want you to join us. We wanna celebrate with you. We can't do it in person, but we wanna celebrate with you nonetheless. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make God's face shine upon you and be gracious to you and comfort you and give you peace that passes all understanding and power to make it through the week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. I love you so much. We'll see you next week and we'll see you on Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas. Be blessed, church. Away, away, away.